It's time for Carolina Blitz, the freshest coverage of Carolina sports and entertainment. Hosted by founder and editor-in-chief, Vashti Hurt. She don't play games. She covers them. You are now tuned in to Carolina Blitz, the radio show on ESPN 730 The Game. Carolina Blitz is a credentialed media outlet. We cover the Carolina Panthers, Duke Blue Devils, UNC Tar Heels, NC State Wolfpack, and more. So make sure you're going to carolinablitz.com and checking out our content that's updated daily and following us on all social media outlets. Now, we're happy to bring our brand here to 730 The Game. We love highlighting fans of the teams that we cover. So if you're interested in being a special guest co-host, hit up our DMs. They're open. This week, we have a returner, a member of the Carolina Blitz family, contributor to Carolina Blitz, and also co-host of the Two Shades of Blue podcast. Listen, guys, if you're not checking out the Two Shades of Blue podcast, do so. They've had some heavy hitters on Andre Dawkins. They also had Kenny Williams and Brandon Robinson to Tar Heels. So make sure you check out the Two Shades of Blue podcast on carolinablitz.com. He and Terrence do a really good job with that. But anyways, without further ado, Royal, thanks again for coming back. Um, just tell briefly again, the people who weren't, who aren't familiar with your writing or familiar with the podcast or your work on Carolina Blitz, just give a little brief introduction of yourself. Everybody. My name is Royal Howell. I'm our co-host, half co-host of the two shades of blue podcast. I'm also right for Miss Bash. I hurt for Carolina Blitz. I'm covering, you know, the Hornets, the Panthers, Duke Carolina, your local ACC teams. And uh, I'm just glad and blessed to be a part of the whole whole project that Vashai is putting out here for um, the sports programs and sports networks around the country. All right. And if you're just now tuning in, you're listening to the Carolina Blitz, the radio show on ESPN 730, the game. We're going to jump right into our topics. Duke basketball It's college hoop season. My favorite time of the year. We're going into March Madness. What March Madness will look like is kind of still up in the air. But this week, the Duke Blue Devils were in the news for something other than their disappointing season. Duke forward and projected lottery pick Jalen Johnson opted out of playing the remainder of the season. Um, The move was met with varying opinions. Some said he owed Duke nothing as a college athlete who is not compensated. Others said he quit on the team and it's a bad look. What are your thoughts on Johnson's decision? Um, my thoughts on John Johnson's uh, decision is pretty much you can you can look at it from different different angles. Um, I hate to kind of judge a person not having the specifics of the background of actually what happened at Duke. Um, but looking from the outside looking in, I felt like he did the best position. You know, you know the best decision for himself as far as opting out. But do I agree with him opting out? I felt like he quit on the team. Um, I felt like his ego wasn't stroked enough from Coach K. Um, Coach K, his motto has always been everything is earned, not given. Mm-hmm. And I felt like um, the type of background that Jalen Johnson has came from, where he hopped around high school to high school, um, especially throughout the AAU circuit. Um, he wasn't even nominated for the McDonald's All-American game because you have to have at least 50 percent of your games played your senior year. I think he played maybe six games his senior year. So he was hopping around from team to team. Um, he already had that ego about himself that, hey, I'm the star player. I'm coming to the program. You cater to me, not me catering to you. And at Duke basketball, we all know it's about the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. And I'm not saying that it was all about him, but if you watch Duke basketball, Duke just looks a whole lot more cohesive 
and efficient on offense and defense versus having Jalen in there, um, the lanes clogged at times, um, everybody standing around on offense watching and waiting for something to happen. The team just looks more free. They look like they can breathe a little bit more easier. Yes, they're being politically and moral correct about saying, hey, that's still their brother. They still text him from time to time. Um, you had Coach K come out recently saying, hey, you know, he supports his decisions fully 100%, um, which what would you expect from Coach K not to say? He's going to say that he's going to support him regardless. Mm-hmm. He's a Hall of Famer, five-time national champion. How to look the head hacho saying that, hey, he doesn't support his decision. At the end of the day, Jalen did what was best for him. Um, but viewing from a fan standpoint, it, it looks like he quit on the team. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and and I, I agree with you. Um, I, it's just, to me, to me, it's <laughs> – it's just not a good look. It's not a good look to go through, you know, and I understand that this is an unconventional season with COVID game stoppages and Duke not being what we're used to seeing from that franchise. But if Duke were in the top 10 and booked basically for the NCAA tournament, I don't think Jalen Johnson makes this decision. Absolutely. And if that's the case, then I think it's a bad look because, you know, basketball is a team sport. And it's just not looked favorably for you to kind of quit on your team. And that's basically what it looked like he did here. And, you know, I've, I've heard, honestly, I'm not surprised because I have, I have some sources and someone told me that this was going to happen last year, mm-hmm. like before, before 20 in 2020. And when it happened, I, you know, it took a little bit longer. But, you know, there there it really is surprising, but it's not surprising. I, I, I'm 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 speculating that he and Coach K kind of butted heads as far as, you know, Jalen Johnson. I'm sure he has a certain ego attached with him. You know, usually guys who who um, have these hoop dreams and and are have stars attached to their name and have all of these visions of being a one and done and NBA draft NBA draft lottery pick. Mm-hmm. They do have egos attached to them. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but you got to humble yourself when mm-hmm. you are playing for the goat. And I don't know if Johnson was willing to humble himself. Uh, so, you know, I, I understand both sides of the coin where, you know, you can't be mad at this man. He's not getting paid, but also you made a commitment. You made a commitment to your team. You made a commitment to Duke and for you to just, you know, quit in the middle of the season. It's just not a good look. Um, Jim Beheim, he had some strong words for Jalen's departure. He said, quote, that guy was hurting them. So they actually are much better now without him. He was just doing some things and keeping other people from playing that are good. They've had two monster wins since he's opted out. Now, correction uh, on Jim, uh, the Blue Devils only had one win They've only played one game since Jalen announced his departure or since it was announced that he was leaving this past Monday. And that was a 84 to 60 dub against Wake Forest. But do you think do you think that Duke is um, better without Jalen Johnson? And also, what do you think of Jim Beheim kind of coming in and sticking his nose into Blue Devil business? I don't think it was Jim Beheim's place to speak on another player, another program. But am I surprised? No, he, 
this has happened in the past with him speaking on players. I can't remember the guy's name from Georgetown who averaged like five assists um, during his time for Georgetown. We know that Jim Beheim has a history of not supporting one and dumb players. Mm. Um, his stance has always been to build, build, and, you know, get better in leadership, better in player throughout his program. Um, I can't really remember the last time he had a one and dumb player come Carmelo, I think. Was it Carmelo? Carmelo? It might have been Carmelo Anthony, one and done. Um, he's had players to – leave after their freshman season, but not necessarily producing the league besides Melo one and done who ultimately won a national championship. But Bayhoff's stance has always been, he doesn't support the one and done. Um, no player is bigger than the program, which I don't necessarily disagree with his comments, but I disagree from where it came from. Um, I believe also a lot of coaches probably feel the same way Bayhoff feels, but will they ever come out publicly and state how they feel about it? No way, Jose. Right. Everything would be kept on chill, text messages behind closed doors. Um, he's just very vocal in his opinion about other programs. He has a history of doing it. Um, like I said, he doesn't support the one-and-done programs. And just quite frankly, I feel like he was out of line by sticking his nose in somebody else's business. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, there was a sense of – there was an air or a sense of entitlement that I got from that from that comment Um almost along the lines of when LeBron left uh, Cleveland and mm -hmm. their owner was like, you know, he, he wrote this letter to the fans and it was like, as if LeBron owed him something, mm -hmm. you know, LeBron didn't owe Cleveland anything. And Jalen Johnson, technically he made a commitment. He's backing out of it, but contractually he doesn't really owe Duke much of anything either. The only people that I feel like can have beef with his decision are his teammates. Mm -hmm. That's it, because they came into this gut together. They are part of the brotherhood and they decided that this is what we're going to do through the season. Win, lose or draw. Those are the only people who I feel like maybe should have any type of beef with Jalen and his decision. And according to them and what they're saying, whether it's true or not, they support him. Mm -hmm. Jim Beheim needs to worry about his own struggling squad. It's not like they're out here killing it. And, and, you know, as you said, I'm sure other coaches feel the same way. It's not, it's not a good look. And it uh, actually, it empowers other players to say, look, I'm done with this. Like, this is whack. I'm not feeling yeah. it this season. I'm just going to leave. And they don't want their guys to all take this, this approach of leaving. Uh, and so, yeah, you have to try to, you know, make Jalen look bad for making this decision. And, you know, I, I, I get that, but Jim needs to worry about, worry about his own Syracuse own. house, right? Worry about your own squad. Now, some Heels fans are using Johnson's departure to take a dig at Duke, Duke versus UNC. You had to know that that was going to happen. And they threw praise at Cole Anthony, who played all of last year. He was injured, of course, some, but he did return and finish. The, he finished the season. Um, but they use it as an opportunity to take a dig at Duke, take a dig at the brotherhood, say that the brotherhood isn't real uh, and and praise Car Cole Anthony for staying at UNC last year, despite their disappointing season. Do you think that comparison is fair? The comparison is not fair at all whatsoever. And majority of the negativity, which has been coming from is from the other school down the road. Uh -oh. um, we also had fellow national champions Brandon Robinson and Kenny Williams on our podcast this week, who both ultimately came out of their mouth and said, hey, they don't know the backgrounds and the details of the situation, so they didn't feel it was right to comment on another person's 
pockets, basically, quote unquote. Um, they show massive respect for not only Cole Anthony, but for Jalen Johnson doing what was best for him um, and doing best for his family. We know that, you know, his camp, quote unquote, his family, his agents, his coach, people have been in his ears, giving him advice, saying, hey, you might want to, you know, shut it down. Your stock is falling. Um, you, it's costing you millions and millions of dollars. You want to be healthy ultimately before the draft. Um, but I think that when you have other fan bases coming at this kid, uh, speaking about the brotherhood, um, trying to bash the brotherhood, when we had Kyrie Irvin, who ultimately was a lottery pick, who got hurt, who came back and finished the season, Zion Williamson, who's probably arguably the biggest product out of Duke in the history of college basketball, tore his Nike shoe on national TV and came back and played where he didn't have anything to gain from coming back and playing Duke. Mm -hmm. Zion Williamson was the number one pick regardless if he ever slipped foot back in Cameron Indoor Stadium again. It was, quote, unquote, obviously, it was was very, very obvious. And when you have these people coming at the brotherhood, when they don't know a dang thing about the brotherhood, you hear about the brotherhood, oh, it's about a family, it's about this, not whatever. We had Dre Dawkins on two weeks ago who – Told us what he thought about the brotherhood, and the brotherhood is just more about just having that family environment, being there for one another. Um, he spoke about his pre-draft workout with Gerald Henderson, um, the former Hornet, former Dukey, where he just said that, "Hey, I went to his house pre-draft workout. You know, it was they cooked this dinner. Um, we, you know, I stole some of his shoes. It's just, <laughs> it's just that family type of environment at Duke University." You're always there for one of another. You're always going to look out for that person. You're going to make sure that they have a job down the line, the bills are taken care of. It's just that type of camaraderie from one another, man. It's just what it is. It's a brotherhood for a reason. And people are just going to hate because they're not a part of it. Or they didn't get recruited by Duke. Call ooh, like ooh. You know, I think it's tacky. I think it's real tacky. And I'm not even going to front. UNC fans did this. But I think if it were the other way around, Duke fans would have done this as well. But I think it's tacky for UNC fans to take a dig at Duke because Jalen Johnson, the Jalen Johnson planned to, or Jalen Johnson opted to prepare for the NBA draft. And it is kind of a false equivalency to try to look at Cole Anthony and Jalen Johnson's situation. It wasn't COVID. Um, There were a couple of other uh, mitigating circumstances that come into play here. I just think, you know, I understand the UNC Duke beef and trust players, these players, this is a fan thing, really, but players have a ton of respect for each other. A lot of them grew up playing on the AAU circuit. They just chose different blues. But the respect that they have between each other, the, the players, and even the coaches, Coach K and, and Roy, and sometimes I, I question if they have low-key, uh, very high competitiveness between them that we don't see on the surface, but it's deep seated. But either way, there's a ton of respect between the two programs. It's just the fans that seem like they can't, they can't be classy with it at all. And so when I saw that, I was like, man, y'all, this is just, yeah, y'all can do better. Y'all can do better than this. Absolutely. Y'all can do better. If you are just now tuning in, you are listening to Carolina Blitz, the radio show on ESPN, seven 30, the game. We're speaking with Royal Howell, Carolina Blitz contributor, also host of the Two Shades of Blue podcast. Make sure you're checking that out, Uh, especially their last couple of episodes. They had some heavy hitters on, so you can go to carolinablitz.com. Click on the podcast link at the top, and then you will see Two Shades of Blue. Also, shout out his co-host, Terrence. We're going to stick along these college basketball lines because, you know, it's hoop season. 
the Tar Heels, they've had their own ups and downs this year, game cancellations due to COVID, a maskless party after the Duke win, blowout loss to UVA, last-minute game to Northeastern. What are your thoughts on the Heels this season? My thoughts on the Heels this season, um, it was a roller coaster ride at first, up and down, but um, I will definitely give respect where it's due. Um, they found a way to close out tough games, usually coming down to maybe one or two possessions here and there. Um, and the emergence of Caleb Love, where um, his coach has been very critical in the past about him turning the ball over, which any coach would. Um, you have a potential lottery pick, uh, top 13 projected. Uh, actually, before he even stepped foot on a UNC floor, he was a top 13 projection. And um, just the way that he's completely turned his game around, where it seems like he's more um, in the flow of the offense, he's more confident. Um, he's shooting shots within the flow of the offense. He's leading by example. Uh, he's not taking the criticism from his coach um, to heart. He's playing with the chip on the shoulder because, quite frankly, um, I think the Duke game for specifically where it was rumored that he was recruited by Duke and Duke chose Jeremy Roach over him. And oh. you see the type of you see the type of performance that he had in Cameron Indoor where he dropped, I think, 25 points. And then he tweeted a picture after the game saying um, something about being the devil or something. I mean, just I, I, OK, wait, 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 wait. I saw that and I was like, whoa. So yeah. uh, it's something about everybody thinks they're uh thinks they're a lion. A devil till you see one. A devil. Oh, he said a devil till you see one. Yes. And it's just Ooh, like I didn't know that there was I didn't know that Duke picked Roach Jeremy over. Yeah. Is that confirmed? It, that's, that's all I've been seeing. All that's I what know. the streets say. OK, that's we, what the, streets the, say. the streets, the streets are oftentimes right. That's that's good tea right there. Wow. OK, the so, you know, he's been playing with a chip on his shoulder and Carolina. Like I said, when you're able to rebound the ball like they do, they're top five in the country in offensive rebound. And they have two guys um, in the top five in the ACC out of all the players with rebounds per game. Um, their main thing has been just finding an outside shooter outside of Carol and Walton. Um, if they can get a consistent shooter outside of Kerwin Walton, whether that's Puff Johnson or Playtech or maybe Leaky Black shooting a 10 to 15 foot jump no, shot. No. You know he's not shooting threes. That's why I said 10 to 15 <laughs> foot jump shot. If Leaky Bat, if Leaky can be the best version of Theo Pinson for this UNC squad, I think that UNC and a lot of fans don't think they can even make the Sweet 16. I'm telling you, when it gets to the NCAA tournament, Teams will not want to play them that second round. If UNC can make some kind of moves and get to maybe a non-seed, the projected 11 right now by Joe Lenardi, if they can get to that non-eight matchup, no number one seed would want to face them second weekend. Royal Williams teams tend to get better in March. We had Kenny Williams and Brandon Robinson both state that same soliloquy just this past week where the team just seems to get better and better towards March. Andre Dawkins two weeks ago said, hey, he would rather play North Carolina around December and November because he knows that Roy William has his team ready around March. And they're looking good, man. Um, you know, they had a tough loss the other day, but um, they bounced back against Northeastern. Um, Roy Williams is still – But it was Northeastern. Come on, Royal. But, hey, hey. And like, then Roy also Northeastern played them – they played them kind of close there for a good amount of the time. They had a guy after uh, Tyson – I forget his last name – got buckets. I think he dropped 27 on In him. the first half. It was crazy. You know, I I think and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ask you this and I'm I'm trying to UNC I'm trying to figure out if they are for real. Because that UVA blow like UVA beat the brakes off of them, right? And to me that game 
says a lot about maybe where this team isn't at yet. Because if they had played UVA competitively, I would be like, okay, UNC, they're going to start coming on. You know, this is, this is, they're looking good. Uh, but to get throttled by, and it really was never a game. It wasn't even, it was never close. I think that they have some work to do. And Roy Williams doesn't, he's trying to get as many home games as he can. And I guess that's a part of his uh, push to try to get better for March, uh, which is why they uh, scheduled that game versus Northeastern this past uh, Wednesday. So they're just trying to get games and reps, I guess, reps under their belt. But, you know, I'm just the I'm ACC not con- up and down, though. Like, look, yeah, I'm not it, convinced yet. But Pittsburgh just beat <laughs> who did Pittsburgh just beat? No, Pittsburgh lost to who was it? Pittsburgh just like, lost to Nor- uh, NC State. Who NC State just got beat by Duke, who Duke lost. I mean, it's any, yeah, it's given, crazy. Day, any given day, anything can happen to ACC. Florida State, though, is looking very good. They had oh. a hiatus, and the, qu- and the question was whether they would be able to come back, and they are looking just as good as they looked last year where they were deemed the ACC tournament champion after, the, after it was ended prematurely. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the jury is still out on this UNC team. Uh, I think that they have the t- they have the pieces, they have the talent, and I think that great teams, I think that Final Four teams have a good mix of talent and experience, and I feel like UNC has that. So they have the intangibles. The question is if they can put it all together. Uh, what you said about a shooter other than Kerwin, their best would be best bet would be Caleb, who killed it against Duke. The question is, is that an anomaly? Was that an anomaly? Yeah. Like, because of was he, you know, sometimes guys, they get up and he obviously got up for that Duke game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is he just going to get up for Duke? He missed like he shot like, I think, five of seven from three. I, I'm not sure I'm, that for some reason, that's what I'm thinking. He shot. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. The, his performance. So I, I just don't know if he can be consistent. What do you think? Do you think that this year's Duke team, I'm sorry, Duke, this year's UNC team is better than last year's UNC team, or are they that much better than last year's team? Like this, if this team faced last year's team with a healthy Cole Anthony, I feel like they would probably, I think Cole Anthony would get his, but outside of Cole Anthony, Nobody else, in my opinion, probably will get off like that. I think this team offensively in the paint is better just okay. because they have more big bodies they can throw at last year's squad. Um, the emergence of Armando Baycott, who people were thinking that he might not even get on the floor this season for this UNC team. And he's been UNC's arguably most consistent player, um, averaging nearly a double-double. Um, the emergence of um, De'Ron Sharp, who he has like one of the highest motors in not just the ACC, but in college basketball, period. Um, and just the consistency, I think, from R.J. Davis and Caleb Love playing with a little chip on his shoulder the last several games, when he's not turning the ball over, um, this UNC team, in my opinion, is better than last year's team um, outside of the three-point shooting. Yeah, I, I would have to agree, and I think you make a good point. If you take Cole Anthony away from that team, like UNC's strength has always been their uh, front court. Like they've mm-hmm. always had a good front court. And mm-hmm. so this year, I think they got even better. Like Garrison Brooks really came on at the end of last year and kind of carried that Tar Heel team on his back as much as he could. But Armando had a disappointing season last year because some people thought he might be a one and done. 
he's maturing, he's coming into his own. You also have Garrison Brooks, a senior who provides that veteran leadership. And then you insert Dayron Sharp, who I think is my favorite Tar Heel right now. I just like the way he goes. I like players who just go and he just goes. And um, they also have Kessler, who's getting more playing time and who's who's getting more comfortable with the game. So the Tar Heels have a squad and that front court is that front court is better than last year's. And that's where I think that that they will uh, where they trump last year's last year's squad that was so disappointing. But last year's team was better than what their record was, I think. But, you know, who knows? Mm. All right. Yeah. All right. You are tuned in. If you're just not listening, you're tuned in to Carolina Blitz, the radio show on ESPN 730. This is Bash Ty Heard. I'm speaking with Royal Howell. We're going to go to our final segment, Blitz or Block. I'm going to pose a question to Royal. He's going to decide whether he's blitzing it or blocking it. We'll have a brief discussion about the topic. Now, we talked earlier about Jalen Johnson's decision to opt out. Blitz or Block, that his choice will hurt his draft stock. Blitz. Okay. Absolutely blitz. Uh, I think it will hurt his draft stock from the standpoint of, you know, NBA GMs are not going to ask him. He has to be honest about what exactly happened at Duke. So, uh, you know, was it more about your ego not being stroked? Was it more about you not getting playing time? Was it more about you not being the focal point of the offense? Was it more about you just not being a team leader? And, you know, these GMs are going to want to know the answers to these questions. Um, they will get honest answers because they're about to invest millions and millions of dollars in this player, and they want to get to the nitty-gritty details about it. Um, but then again, um, like we had uh, David Noel on the Hills House the other night, and he said that during a pre-draft workout in Orlando, um, a GM came in and said, hey, um, J.J. Reddick, DUI charge he got during his Duke days, uh, he said that he would never draft a player like that. And then the first round came around with the seven pick, the Orlando Magic select J.J. Redick. And he said his face just dropped because this GM literally just lied to his face. So are you going to invest all this money into somebody that quit on his team, opted out for protecting his future and his health versus investing all this money into a player that you know that has potential? The NBA is drawn off potential. Mm-hmm. It's always been about potential. What can this player do for me five and ten years down the line? Am I going to pay him 50 $60 million potentially in the lottery? for him to just be out here and be a bust. What can they do for me potentially? He has tons and tons and tons of talent, but we didn't see the whole offensive repertoire during his Duke days here and ultimately opted out for his future. So I'm blitzing it completely. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to blitz it and I'm going to blitz it for a couple of reasons. Prior to him opting out, I was I always keep a, tr- a, a look at the mock drafts. So I'll go to usually nbadraft.net. Jalen Johnson at Monday, he was listed as a lottery pick or a projected lottery pick. Now they have him falling to 25, which Mm. is just a few spots out of the second round. What has changed since that time? He opted out. And I think that, you know, I don't basketball, just like the sports media world is small, man. And coach K has a lot of pool. Coach K is not just, college basketball ACC he's also USA basketball professional professional players he has a lot of pool and I don't think that they're going to look favorably on that decision 
not just that decision, that isolated decision, but also his history of team hopping. It's not a good look. And if you get, if you go in the, if you go in the lottery, you're going to a team that obviously is not that good, right? At so all. usually, usually you're going to a squad that's not that good. So I need to know that you're going to be able to stick in there with a squad that is in a building process and not quit on your team. And so that's a valid question that any GM will have given Jalen Johnson's decision to, to prepare for the draft. Uh, we have time for one more quick one. Um, yesterday, according to Panthers Twitter, Teddy Bridgewater unfollowed the team on Instagram and he made his team or he made his Instagram page private. I saw it. I don't follow him. So, but his page is private and I saw the screenshot. So I'm assuming he did. Um, I did look and Bridgewater is still following the Panthers on Twitter, but Blitzer blocked that Bridgewater is unhappy uh, with how the franchise has made it clear they're on the, in the market for a new quarterback quickly. Oh, it's definitely a blitz. Uh, it, and the funny thing about this whole situation is literally, I think just last year, a fan commented towards him off of a very salty comment and said, and Teddy B's comments was, that's some female SH dot, dot, yeah. dot. Yeah, yeah. So today the same fan retweeted Teddy B and mocked him and said, that's some female SH block, block, block. So Oh, I didn't see that. Well. So, so literally, so literally he's in his feelings. But hey, it's a business. He know what he got himself into. Yeah. They call him Teddy B check down for a reason. I don't necessarily agree with the standpoint of the team openly letting it know that, hey, they're not happy with his play. But that's their job to let teams know that, hey, we're not happy with us investing $63 million into this quarterback who checks down on third down, who doesn't know how to close games out, who just isn't getting a job done offensively. Yeah, you had three, what, 3,000-yard receivers, a 1,000-yard running back without Christian McCaffrey, who's a top-five running back in the league, and you were – I mean, the defense was a blemish. The offense line can't block to save their lives, but if you want to invest all this money into a player for $63 million, his market value at the time was 12 to 15. You paid him $20 million per year, over $20 million per year, so – you got you got to blitz it. He's in his feelings, but it's a business. He's in a business. The NFL is a business. What have you done for me lately? Type of league. Absolutely. What has he done? What has yeah, he done I'm I'm blitzing it too. He's unhappy. It hasn't. The Panthers have been. They haven't held back as far as they aren't happy. I, Matt Rule has said it in press conferences. David Tepper has said it in press conferences. And Teddy Bridgewater has gotten the message and he definitely took a, 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 a kind of soft way of expressing it by unfollowing the team on, on Instagram. That was kind of weak, Teddy. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning into our show. We'll be here on ESPN 730 every Saturday at 1030. Thanks again for Royal for coming on. Make sure you are checking out the Two Shades of Blue podcast on CarolinaBlitz.com. Keep blitzing. <laughs>